All right, how about 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, Cole, I just was thinking here on this uh, youth rally, are we supposed to let them know how many at a certain time? I didn't read it. Okay, okay. Okay, if you can go, go. Be good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm getting right through the book here. And we left off on verse 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, left off on verse 4. And before we get in it, why don't we uh, have a word of prayer. Brother Dave, would you ask the Lord's help on the preaching and teaching tonight? Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. I will back up to 3 here real quick here. And Paul says, uh, for our exhortation, so he's talking about his preaching, the way he preaches and how he delivers it and what he gives. He says, for our exhortation was not of deceit. So Paul wasn't uh, double-tongued when he preached. He didn't get up and say one thing and uh, mean another or say one thing in public and then in private. Well, you know what? I'm just, you know, that's whatever, what it is. Uh, Paul wasn't a, a gimmick preacher. He wasn't trying to get people's attention by nothing else but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, it says there in verse 3, uh, he says, For our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanness. And uh, Paul didn't uh, preach a, a certain way, uh, but yet insinuate that they didn't have to live right once they got saved. He was... He was preaching wasn't of uncleanness. Uh, he's the kind of preacher that once you got saved, he'd say this. Uh, if, if kind of bring it up to date. It's time to fly right. It's time to fly straight. Amen. You know, when you're younger, you get away with some things, and sometimes kids are so cotton-picking cute, it saves them from getting in a lot of trouble as kids. But after a while being saved, you just you ought to fly straight. Amen. You got to quit your sinning after a while. And there's a, there's a period of time where you're learning things. And maybe when you first get saved, you know, some things don't bother you. But they're still wrong. And as you uh, read the scriptures and you read the Bible, the Lord begins showing you things. And uh, you can't sit there and be a saved individual for 30 years and the Lord never show you things that change. But Paul, his preaching wasn't uh, unclean, of uncleanness. He... Uh, he was a straight shooter. And then he says, nor in guile. So Paul's preaching, it wasn't trickery. It wasn't trickery. It wasn't kind of like a half-truth uh, in the preaching. And, of course, you know, guile, we uh, were saying this last time we were together around the book, because guile is uh, what the devil used in the Garden of Eden. He uh, told Eve, hey, you can go ahead and eat that fruit. You're not going to die. And he was right physically, but Eve died spiritually. That's a half-truth, and that's guile. And uh, Paul's preaching wasn't like that. <clears throat> and Paul's basically saying here in verse 3, he's going to tell you all the way down to verse uh, 12 and 13, he's telling you how he's preaching and how he delivers it and what God's and how God would have him preach. And uh, Paul said, look, I didn't do any of that preaching. I didn't do it with trickery. I'm not double-tongued. And this is how he delivered the thing. And no gimmicks. So, and like we finished last week, we're to follow, follow Paul's pattern. 
Paul, you ever just stop and think about the New Testament church of today? The New Testament churches in 2023. One preacher said it like this. He said, the local church has now become something that God never intended it to be. And that's, that's kind of a big, that's a big shovel to swallow. It's not saying that what we're doing is wrong, but do you really believe the Lord planned the local church to operate the way it does in a lot of cases? Local churches turned into a, a show of theatrics in many ways. And I'm not talking about how we do things. We try to adhere as close to the scriptures as we can. But the Lord's still, he's still developing us as a church body. You see what I mean? And that local church has become uh, something that was never, the local church was never designed to be like Habitat for Humanity. Never was. So, yeah, but over there in Acts chapter 2, they all, uh, they all had everything in common. You really want to go down that road? You want to turn your checkbook over to a deacon in the church and determine how much of your money that you work for you keep? <laughs> I don't think you want to go down. Uh, no, you're an American. You'd be like, get on my face, buddy, right? And, uh, but that's how it was. They had all things in common. They, everything they made, they come over, turned to the church, and everyone made sure everyone, that's, that's modern-day communism. But that was the inchoate stage beginning of the church. And, uh, but uh, the, I'm just saying that the church today in general, when you look at the, the churches in our area and in the state and out of the state all around this country, it's, it's a circus. It really is. And, uh, but he says over here, he says here in verse uh, number, uh, uh, back in verse 2, he said that uh, the, his preaching, it brought much contention. So Paul's telling you how he's preaching and how he's delivering, how he's giving it to you. And then he's, uh, then he's telling you that, by the way, when I did this, this is what it brought. So the Pauline ministry, if you're going to follow Paul, which we should follow Paul's pattern. And Paul's preaching the kingdom of God and he's preaching those things which concern Jesus Christ. He told those in, uh, at Ephesus in the book of Acts that he held back nothing profitable. And that's my job as a pastor is to give you everything that is profitable to you uh, as if you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ and there's going to be a quiz. <laughs> and all I'm going to pray is uh, hopefully it's an open book test. And I hope I can bring one book. And I know if, since I can't take it, I know it'll be up there for me. Amen. <laughs> but look at this in verse 4. It says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel... Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. And we want to pick up here in verse 4 today. So what Paul is basically saying here, Chuck, why don't you give me this fan? It's like, I feel like I'm a Thanksgiving turkey in the oven up here. He says, but as we're allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. And Paul is what he's saying. He's like, look, I'm trustworthy. God has considered me trustworthy to preach the gospel. And Paul's saying, look, I have been entrusted with the most precious the most prized possession there is on earth. And Paul is telling you that he has a responsibility to deliver that prized possession not to please man. You see it right in verse 4? And that's a, that's a great thought. We should, uh, we should do the best we can tonight to try to really uh, put that thought in motion. And we are here to please the Lord. And uh, the actions of Americans... Uh, inwardly, they're very selfish, but outwardly, they're to please everybody else around them. And uh, Paul says, look, I have a responsibility not to please men or to get what I can get out of the gospel. 
but he'd rather please God. Uh, look at Galatians chapter 1. And if you're going to be a Christian that pleases God, uh, then you're going to do something. You're going to be able to do something. But if you're worried about pleasing everybody else, and if you're worried about whether or not brother and sister, and I'm not talking about throwing uh, common sense to the wind. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being rude and disrespectful and bombastic. We're not talking about none of that stuff. But if you're going to live your life in fear of what other men and women are always thinking when you're trying to serve the Lord, it's not going to work for you. Galatians chapter 1 verse 2, uh, verse 10 rather. Paul says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? You know how Paul wasn't? Paul wasn't looking to please men. He's looking to please God. He says, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So, as your pastor, if, I, if I'm not careful, it'll get a mindset where I've got to make you all happy. Guess what? That ain't going to happen. Now, I might make some of you happy. What if you, what if you come to church a train wreck? I'm not going to make you happy. Fair enough? And you can't make everybody happy. That's what Paul says. Look, you have to please the Lord. And your main goal, your main goal that you have to have in the Christian life is this. Get out of your own mind and get into God's mind. I'll say that again. The main goal in your Christian life is to get out of your own mind and get into God's mind. You say, how am I going to do that? Right here. That's how you get into God's mind. I mean, why? Your mind is shot. And usually, I don't know about you, but by three-quarters past four o'clock, you know what I'm learning lately anymore? You say, you're learning something at 47? Yeah, is it 47? I'm so confused on my age some days. Must have been all that deodorant I wore with aluminum in it, eh? you know? So, you know, this this is not spiritual, but I get this deodorant with no, no aluminum in it. Smells really good. I got this, give me a second, I'm preaching here. I got this sensitive skin, right? I just can't, I just can't throw a speed stick on there. I'll break out in hives. So I get this stuff, smells like a pine tree. Yeah, I'm a logger. I'm a woodcutter. Smells good. Yeah, for the first three hours. And then I'm smelling something like, what is that? And the Holy Spirit's going, that's you, buddy. Anyways, I don't know about the Holy Spirit talks to you like that, but I said, oh, wretched man that I am. (laughs) But listen, your main goal in the Christian life is not to make everybody happy. It's to get out of your mind. And why do you think people take drugs? I went real quick. I went from aluminum to drugs. Why? They want an alternative reality, don't they? You know why people get hooked on pills? Because it feels better when they're on the pills than where they're at. And you know what you got to do as a Christian? You got to learn to get out of your own mind and get into the mind of Jesus Christ. And the only way you do that is through that book. And what I was saying about four o'clock, you know what starts happening? Even if I've read my Bible, let's say I read it for an hour. By about four o'clock, you know what? I start getting anxious about some things. Now, you're tough and strong, praise the Lord. But by four o'clock, I'm like, I got to get some more of that book. You say, why? My mind's a wreck. And you got to learn to get out of your own mind in the Christian life and get into God's mind. And because you see, in the Christian life, you have liberty, listen now, to do what God wants you to do. 
that's where the liberty lies. Uh, a hyperdispensationalist, he'll say this, and he'll key on this. A hyperdispensationalist will say that you have liberty to do whatever you want to do. That's not true. But that's, that's the theme song. Uh, that's the, uh, the religious anthem of the hyperdispensationalist. You run into someone saying, well, I have liberty. I have liberty. You know, liberty, 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 and all that stuff there, and all the birds and all the bats and everything. But, but you have liberty as a Christian to do what God wants. You look at uh, Galatians 5. Galatians 5.13. Now, you've got to be careful of that thing. Christians are all turned around. They take the Bible, and they take their pet little verses and they run around with them like they know what they're talking about but since they don't study the Bible they're Christian a lot of Christians are stupid when it comes to this book 513 that's all right to say that because that's the truth it says uh, in verse 13 for brethren you have been called unto liberty only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another why is it that every time and I accent on every time that I've talked to Christians they're reminding me of their liberty in Christ that has nothing to do with serving the Lord. When, I, when Christians tell me and say, now, preacher, I have liberty, I'm like, I didn't say you didn't. But the direct object or however the grammatical thing lines up is because I want to go do whatever I want to do. And uh, you've got to remember, you have liberty, but you have liberty to go serve the Lord as he would have you do it. And in having that liberty, you don't have to worry about what people think about when you serve the Lord. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, look, you do live a sacrificial life as a believer. Amen? Uh, for the benefit of other people. We can't throw that away. We just can't be bulls in the china shop all the time. Well, you know, I'm just serving the Lord, so I'm going to run all over you. No, that's not what Paul's talking about. But you don't do things, you don't usurp some of the liberties that you have. Why? Because you could hurt other people. But you don't live in your, a life such an emotional wreck. Oh, what are they going to think of me? Well, you know what, there's some things that people are just going to have to learn to deal with. Because the Lord has called you to serve Him and please Him. And you can't sit around and worry whether or not you're going to make everybody happy with it. You know why we have church services? Well, yeah, preacher, you have church service because the people, the, the sheep, they need feeding. Amen. That's true. Uh, and why do you do that? I'll tell you why. Because God said do it. And because people don't always find a reason and find the things necessary that God told me, your pastor, to do, I ain't going to lose sleep over it. You see what I mean? You know why we have youth outings? You know I have a ladies group? You know I have uh, stuff on the street? It's not so everyone can feel good about it. Even though you participate in the right motive, you will feel good. But we do it because the God said to do it, and we have liberty to serve God the way He wants us to. That's it. He said, you tell me that there's only two people you get up and preach, you better believe it. Why? Because I'm here to please God. And I'm not trying to be a jerk when I say that, but you have to get that mentality as a Christian that you're going to do in your Christian life what the Lord tells you to do, and you're not going to worry about pleasing mommy or daddy or auntie or uncle or whoever it is. When God specifically told you to be a witness, God specifically told you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the way you go about that, you're going to have to say, Lord, you told me to do it, and I'm going to please you, and I know I'm going to make a lot of people torqued off along the way. But that doesn't become your aim is to see how many people you can torque off either. 
But if you always do according to what God thinks of you and not what man thinks of you, you'll never have to worry about being a stumbling block as a Christian. All right? And it takes a lot of liberty for God to allow you to do that. And what that transcends, it takes you being filled with the Spirit of God. It takes effort on your part to get into the book every single day. And when you miss a day, say, all right, fess up, I missed a day. It's life. You're never always going to bat a thousand, are you? Some of the best players in baseball, they never batted a thousand. Some of the best players in baseball, they had, what, a 300. You say, what is that? Well, they got to hit one, once every three times up the bat. All right, look at verse 5. And this, this verse here, 5, really strikes at the heart of a lot of what is going on today in uh, most preaching or so-called preaching. He says, for neither at any time use we flattering words. Before I go any farther, does that make sense? Why we do what we do here is not so we can gain a following. Why we do what we do here is not so everyone in the community will like us because we know that ain't going to happen. Why we do what we do here is not so you all think that I'm a nice fella because you all know that ain't the truth, especially behind the pulpit. I do what I do here to please the Lord, and that's how you ought to live your life. All right, verse 5, For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. So I want to talk just a little bit about flattering words. Flattering words. And a flattering preacher is not the work of a sincere preacher of the gospel. Would you agree tonight? Uh, if you're the, the younger you are, and this is no harm meant at our younger audience, but the younger you are, the more susceptible you often can be to flattery. The older you are, you've been tempered and you've been taken and you've been, well, let's just say you've been lied to. And uh, they always promise you the offer on the job, and then when you accept it, it's changed between the two-hour notice you had. Amen? And you stop believing everyone's jazz. And you've got to be careful of flattering words. And here's the thing. Flattering words is how people get followings. You need to understand that tonight. You want a following? You start flattering people. And listen, you can get quite a following if you always go around and tell people how good they are <laughs> or how wonderful they are or how pleasing they are or how great uh, they are and those kind of things. And think about it. That's how cults get their following. They bait you in and they tell you how wonderful and how great you are and then they tell you what to do. And that's how advertisers get people to buy their products. It's the same way. Uh, matter of fact, over in Peter, the Bible says that uh, these religious individuals, through feigned words, make merchandise of you. All right? <clears throat> and uh, advertisers, they get the people to buy the products the same way. They'll say this, uh, you deserve the best. <laughs> Call now. Operators are standing by, right? How about this one? You deserve a break today. Right? Yeah. You've earned it. You have earned it today, Right? Uh, you, sh- you need to be the first to have this. Look at Romans chapter 16. I'll show you where we're going with this thing. You've got to watch out for flattering words. And Paul says, look, I was not guilty of using flattering words. I listened to uh, three minutes and 46, uh, 46 seconds into a message. I won't even name the guy. Some of you will figure it out as soon as I did. But one of the top preachers in America today, and he's not a preacher, he's an orator, and he gets up there with that plastic smile and that hair that's never out of place. And let me tell you what, he's slick, man. 
He's slick, and he is loaded. And let me tell you, does he have a following? Uh, let me give you some th- three. It's thirty-minute message. You know how to increase your church attendance, get your preacher to shut up and preach thirty minutes. <laughs> Amen. But he says, uh, I'll just give you some phrases. I wrote them down. <clears throat> he said this. Uh, uh, you would be. Uh, oh, he said you would not believe the amazing future that God has for you. Uh, the silence that you feel right now doesn't mean that God has forgotten about you. Oh, yeah? You know what my parents did when I didn't obey? They sent me to my room, and they didn't talk to me for a while, let me think about what a jerk I was. You ever stop and think of the silence? You see what I mean? Flatter them, you know? You feel all depressed and lonely. Could it be that you're just a disobedient child and need your hind end, you know, slapped around? How about this one? He said, that this is all within three minutes before he says, uh, let, me, uh, let me encourage you, your time is coming. That is so ambiguous. What does that mean? I mean, I'm going to hit, it, get hit at the intersection. Uh, my coffee is going to be cold. And then he follows up with this. He says, your breakthrough is already on schedule. <laughs> what is a breakthrough? <laughs> Can anybody tell me what a breakthrough is? I think I, think I know what he's talking about. Then he said this, he says, your miracle has already been set in motion. Right? You want to know how you, you, know how you get 30,000 people in one place? You tell them they all got a breakthrough coming. Their miracle is, is, is set in motion. How about this? God says there's a blessing coming your way. <laughs> uh, last but not least, uh, oh, he's a, you know, then he followed that up with, I'm telling you here today, favor is coming. Healing is coming and victory is coming. What is that? Flattering words. Uh, Romans 16. Now, only a deceived Christian or only a lost person would really think that's preaching. Here's, here's uh, I'm, I'm not going to take any credit for what I'm trying to get across here. But here's, I guarantee this, if you walk away from this local church, you will never be satisfied in any assembly you go if they don't preach that book. You will never be satisfied again. I didn't say you couldn't go to church and attend, but you won't be satisfied. You'll always be lacking, especially when you get a taste for that book and you get a taste for the flavor and you get a taste for the tenor of that preaching. You can go anywhere else. You'll be like, yeah. I'm not talking about the person preaching. I'm talking about that book. Now look at Romans 16, 17. He says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And what? All right. Don't make them your friend on Facebook either. Look at 18. For they, that is the they of 17, the ones you're supposed to be avoiding, that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. But here it is. And by good words... And fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You know what Paul says? The mark of the people that are causing offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned is their positivity. And I'm all about positivity where it needs to be positive. But I'm all about negativity where it needs to be negative. You ought to be negative against sin. Amen? You ought to be negative against the Bible correctors and the Bible. You ought to be negative about your own flesh. And you ought to be skeptical in this world that you live constantly. 
You need to be skeptical about your own heart. You need to be skeptical about your own emotions. You need to be skeptical about your own feelings. You need to be skeptical about your own motives. You say, why? Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking who may be devoured. And you need to be skeptical about that stuff. You only need to be scrutinize yourself against the word of God. Why? For the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He that trusts this heart, Proverbs 29, 25, is a fool. You've got, you got to be careful about that. So what they use is flattery. And these preachers and these individuals, they're hiding behind their flattering words in order to get something for themselves. Uh, and they're covetous of something. Someone is not just flattering because uh, I think I'll be flattering today. No, they want something. They're flattering you so they can obtain something. And for a lot of people uh, in ministry, they're covetous of that position. Uh, some people uh, said, well, you shouldn't be preacher. I said, well, you could have it. You give it back in two weeks because it don't fit you. But some people are covetous of a position. Uh, how about this one? A lot of people, they're covetous of power. And a lot of people, they're covetous of the praise. They think that, well, if you're, if you're a pastor or you're a preacher or you're an itinerant evangelist or a missionary, it's just all praise. No, it ain't, man. It's not. But they're covetous of power. They're covetous of position. They're covetous of praise. And what they'll do is they'll be very flattering to your face, uh, very flattering to other individuals. And then, and then like the religious Pharisees, uh, then they'll uh, do their work at night behind the desk on the computer on their phone. They'll send out the text. Well, I know, I know, I know, I, I, you know, we've got a good preacher, but, you know, really, he, uh, here he's off on this, and, and I disagree with him here, you know, and, and all that stuff there, so forth and so on. But in public, they're always flattering and doing those kinds of things. And you need to be really careful about those that flatter. A matter of fact, as you grow in the Lord, you'll learn that them red lights will start, just flags, red flag, however you say that thing, It'd just be popping up on your radar like, man, that don't sound right. That guy sounds like he's up to something. Uh, look at twenty verse or Proverbs 20, verse 19. You've got to be careful about those who flatter. Flattery is a trap. Look at a couple verses on flattery. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Bible says in verse 19 of Proverbs chapter 20, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. You ever had friends like that? And you reveal your secrets, they probably not need to be your friend anymore, amen? <laughs> Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. And that's like a two-faced individual. It's like, I love you, brother, but did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know this about so-and-so? Like, I don't want to know. I already have enough trouble with my mind as it is. I really do. I know you don't, but I, <laughs> my mind's a train wreck some days. I don't know more junk about people. Aren't you glad we can't read each other's minds? Aren't you glad you don't know each other's past more than you already do? And so when someone tries to tell you about someone else's past, man, I'd run from that. I'd disengage from that conversation. And if you got the green light, I'd rebuke the person for it. Cut that out, brother. Cut that out, sister. Well, you know, it's what, the, what 20 years ago? Really? <laughs> I look at Proverbs 28, 23, flattering words. Man, you got to be careful. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to be able to help you see when people are trying to flatter you from the pulpit. Now listen, our crowd, Bible-believing crowd, they, kind of, they tend to err the other way. 
Shake your head, amen. You know what I'm talking about. Why? Well, we're kind of rude, kind of crude, kind of mean. But there's a balance on that thing. And it's not all about being rude. It's not all about being mean. But you can't be flattering either. Now look at this, 28, 23. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Now that afterwards or later on, that might be when you get up to heaven. Uh, he says afterwards you'll find more favor, but... You ever stop and think about it? Most Christians don't take rebuke too well in 2022. I don't know if you ever had to rebuke someone, but uh, it usually don't go well. It doesn't. I have very, very limited experience of having to be in a position where I had to do that. And when you're in that position, it ain't no fun. You're like, oh, yeah, I get to, yeah, you get to bring the hammer down. Great. And that stuff's done with tears and, and sorrow and just long-term things. But uh, the measure of any man or the measure of any woman uh, is going to be determined by how well they can take a rebuke. And I remember taking, I remember back, was it 97? Uh, started some, started college all over again. Uh, Lepton Bible Institute and had this test and, you know, on all the tests, there was extra credit. And I never got any extra credit right. My wife always got them all right, but I never got any extra credit right, probably because she studied but anyway, uh, I don't even remember what the question was, but I wrote some, sm I know you have a hard time believing, I wrote some smart Alec answer. And that old preacher rebuked me. He says, you need to learn that not everything's a joke. I say, what'd you do? I took it, man. <laughs> Busted. I said, really sorry about that. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll work on that. He says, okay. <laughs> but uh, most people don't take a rebuke very well. And they don't appreciate it at all. Look at Proverbs 29, 25. You've got to be careful about uh, people that flatter you with the tongue. Proverbs 29, 5. Bible says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. In other words, he's got uh, a friend there that's giving him fair words and flattering speeches and telling him what a great and wonderful guy he is. And his intent is really to trap him or to get something from him. And uh, listen, if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to be in the ministry, uh, I can assure you that you are going to experience those things. And all through Proverbs and in the Psalm, this thing about flattery is talked about in Proverbs chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 7. You've got uh, the strange woman who uses flattery. And in 2 and 7, you've got the strange woman, and that's talking about a religious harlot, and that's a religious system. And that religious harlot, that, that religious uh, strange woman, the Bible says in Proverbs 2.16, says to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, with her words. And uh, I want to show you one more here. Look at Psalm 78. We couldn't uh, preach enough about flattery and how you got to watch out for flattery. Grab uh, Psalm 78, we'll pick it up in verse 34 here. And this uh, Psalm 78 is talking about uh, Israel, if you remember, coming out of Egypt. It's got the whole thing through there. And in verse 34 it says, When he slew them, talking about his own people, then they sought him. Isn't that how it goes? The Lord starts really putting it on us sometimes, and we straighten up and fly right. <laughs> you know, you start going through storms and difficulties and hard times, and it's like the Lord gets our attention and we're back doing what we should. 
He says, Then they sought him, and they returned and inquired early after God. 35, And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in his covenant. You know, he had a bunch of his own people. They had the Sunday school answer. You see that? I just, the Lord just ripping my guts out with this thing today. And I'm asking myself, Lord, how many times have I told you how much I love you, how much I care about you, how I'm thankful that you died for me, and I'm thankful that I got a home in heaven, how thankful I'm for the new body that I'll get one day, and I'm just lying right through my stinking teeth, just flattering him. Why? Because that's what I know he wants to hear. And you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. Somebody that uses, utilizes flattery is somebody that in their heart they're being deceitful and they're lying to you. And his own people were telling him the, how great he was and how wonderful he was. But you read it. They were lying in their hearts about it. And Paul says uh, back there, he says, I didn't preach that way. I didn't preach using flattery. Paul didn't preach using flattery at all. And those people that do preach that way, listen, you and I, we could, if you have a basic cable subscription, listen now, we could pull up the TBN network. That's the Trinity Broadcast Network. Or you could pull up the Total Christian Network. I call it the Trash Can Network. That's a TCT. Or you could pull stakes up and go up and down the road five or ten minutes from here. All kinds of churches, and you're going to hear preachers, so-called preachers, flattering their congregations. Why? Because they want something from them. You know what I want you to do? Get close to the Lord. That's it. And you got to watch that stuff because uh, you can keep people if you flatter them. And again, that doesn't mean you're intentionally rude, uh, but you should be truthful to them. Amen. When you're preaching to them, when you're witnessing to them, you should be truthful. And a, a fellow's going to be in the pulpit, he should be truthful in the pulpit. And Paul says, if you're going to preach it right, you're going to preach it the way the Lord wants it preached. If you're going to preach the way I preach it, you don't come with flattering words. First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 5 again. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, then he says this, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Now, a cloak, that's something you hide behind, isn't it? You see the picture? The reason people are using flattering words is because uh, they want something. That's a cloak of covetousness. And many people today feel that they deserve that God should give them something that God don't want them to have. Happens all the time. Or maybe some people have done some things in their life that no longer allows them to do what God originally intended for them to do. But these people, these individuals that are hiding behind that cloak of covetousness, they're bound and determined to do whatever they want to do, uh, whether God's in it or not. These preachers and uh, people even in our county and in our state, uh, their ministry is about them. It's not about God. And uh, they can't be happy just doing what God wants them to do. You ever stop and think, what if God just wants you to come here and be faithful? That's it. Nothing else. That's a tough thing to fathom, ain't it? Why? We're Americans. We're taught the old business highway theology. Bigger and better. Bigger. What if the Lord just wants you to come here, be faithful, be faithful in your attendance, be faithful in your giving? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I slide pause there. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, be faithful uh, just in your encouragement of others. Yeah, you know what encouragement it is to see y'all come tonight? I'm not flattering you either. Be careful. <laughs> it is. It's encouraging. 
And, uh, but a lot of individuals are always trying to exalt themselves to a position, so everything they do is therefore done with a cloak. I'd never name names, but I know guys tonight that have bounced from church to church to church, never spent more than 18 months to the tune of a dozen churches in the last 12 years, and they really think God's called them to be a pastor. Are you smoking crack? God's not a yo-yo. I don't mean that blasphemously either. God doesn't bounce. You know what's gone the way, kind of like the American Indian? These positions in companies where you can stay 30 years. It don't happen anymore. Let me tell you what, God might move you from one place to another, but he'll never move you to another place without securing you a church first. And, uh, but people are always trying to exalt themselves to position. <clears throat> when I first uh, went over to Lupton and began to learn the Bible, line upon line, here a little, there a little, I had thought about that much about being a pastor, and it quickly absconded away, thank the Lord because it was so overwhelming. I, didn't, I just knew that the Lord called me to preach, but here's the thing, I didn't even know what that meant. So the Lord took me over to Lupton and sat me in that pew, and I started learning this, just like I'm teaching it to you tonight. Just line upon line, verse after verse, scripture with scripture, run all the references, night school, and then classes in church, so forth and so on, and then stuff, graduate work beyond that. But a lot of people, they're always just trying to exalt themselves to positions, so everything they do is therefore done with a cloak. And the whole idea is that when I went over there to, to begin to learn the Bible, uh, I didn't really give it any consideration to being a pastor. I knew I wanted to preach. I had that urge inside of me to preach. But some guys, they think because they have the urge inside of them to preach that that means they get a position. You realize I was over there in Lupton learning that book for 18 years before the Lord says, oh, okay, I put you over here, a handful of sheep. Well, there's guys in this county right now, there's guys in this community, they're bouncing all over the place like a stinking ping pong ball. Why? They want a position. And listen, if a guy wants a following, he'll use flattery to get it done. Remember, that's what Absalom did. Remember about old Absalom, king's son? 2 Samuel 15, the Bible says he stole the hearts of the kingdom. You know how he did it? He flattered them. Uh, it says that Absalom greeted everyone in Israel by bowing down to them. He did reverence. He did obeisance, the Bible says, there in 15 and 16. And then he took their hand and he kissed them. That's an Eastern thing. I'm not going to kiss no guy. You know. But that, that's basically saying... You know, that's just, he's just laying it on him. And he, by doing that and listening to him, and then he'd say, oh, that there were a judge. Oh, that I were a judge. I'd fix this for you. Making promises. And he stole the hearts of the kingdom. And the reason that is is because so many men are covetous of the power of being over people. Let me tell you what. I might have a position, but that thing's weighty. That thing's heavy. People who uh, think they want a position, they better think twice about that. And, uh, that. and Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, God's our witness. We haven't preached it this way. That's what he's saying. And here's the main thing I want you to see in these verses. Paul's saying, he's saying all the way back in verse 2, he was bold in, his, he was bold in God, bold in his preaching. In verse 2, his, the way he preached, that God told him to preach, had caused what? Much contention. And uh, the reason it had contention is verse 3, because his preaching was straightforward. It wasn't deceitful. He's telling you the truth. 
And, uh, and then uh, his preaching wasn't deceitful, his preaching wasn't unclean, that's verse 3, and his preaching in verse 3 had no guile or no trickery with it. You know, every, everything doesn't have to have a pristine, perfect illustration. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ had great illustrations all throughout the Gospels. Best order and preacher you ever read about. Let me tell you what, all biblical truth isn't going to have a perfect little illustration with everything. Sometimes it's just straighten up and fly right. You want an illustration? Read about the prodigal son. Get out of the stinking hog pen and head back home to the father. Amen. He'll have to clean you up when you get home. He'll put a ring back on your finger because you're a son. You'll never lose your sonship. Amen. And he'll slay the fatted calf. And there are always going to be people that are excited that you come back to the Lord. And there's always going to be the older brother who's just a pinhead. And he's not going to be happy that you come back and got right. All right. And uh, so there, back there in 1 Thessalonians 2.5, uh, Paul was preaching because he was entrusted by God with the gospel. And he preached not to please any man, but he preached to please God. He didn't use flattering words in verse 5. He didn't hide behind a cloak of covetousness in verse 5. And, uh, and I'm just saying Paul didn't preach because he wanted something. Paul wasn't preaching so he could get a brand new fifth wheel. Paul wasn't preaching so someone could uh, put him as a beneficiary on their life insurance policy. Paul wasn't in it for a gimmick. He was preaching because God entrusted him with that. Here's a lesson. Can you live your life for Jesus Christ even if no one ever recognizes you? i got to think long and hard on that one. We're taught to be recognized in America. And that's the way your preaching needs to be, and that's the way my preaching needs to be. The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So you might not be a pastor, but everyone's got the command to go preach the gospel. Doesn't mean you're going to go home and write a three-point outline, but if you can, do it. God might use it. But you're commanded to go preach the gospel to every creature. And aren't there some creatures out there? Amen. Our creatures at Walmart, amen. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Again, Paul's saying, look, I'm not in it for, I'm not in it for the money. I didn't do it for the money. And you've got to watch out for that guy that shows up and he says, look, I'm the man of God, so let's take an offering. <laughs> One feller was talking to another preacher at his meeting. and He told this old preacher, he says, I'm telling you what, the Lord has called me into the tent ministry. And that preacher goes, let me guess, you need a tent. <laughs> you needed a tent. You got to watch out for those people. And uh, Paul doesn't say, look, if you want to get healed, come down here, take up an offering and get in line. And that's what the charismatics do. They get the big old offering going. Next time uh, Benny Hen, if he's still even on, I don't even know if that fellow's on. Next time he's on, watch it. They'll do the big old dance offering there, and they'll all be praising Jesus and throwing their two mites in and all the gifts into the treasury, and then it'll start the healing line. I like that. They did that video of Benny Hen, and instead of his jacket, they made it a lightsaber. That was pretty slick. Had Benny Hen up on stage whipping everyone with a lightsaber. That's about the way it should have been, amen. But uh, you got to watch out. And Paul says in verse 6, he's saying, even though we were the apostles of Christ, we didn't seek glory. You see that? He, had, he could have sought glory. Why? He was apostle of Jesus Christ and had the signs that went with it found in Mark chapter 16. He says in verse 6, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, talking to the church folk there at Thessalonica, nor yet of others. 
And Paul says we could have because we're apostles, but we didn't use our position to take advantage of you. Amen. Paul's telling you how he's preaching. He wasn't seeking glory. You know, they could never accuse Paul and all of his writings and all the history about Paul about being in it for the money. And over in Galatians 1.22, the Bible even says that Paul was unknown to many other individuals. So what I'm saying is this, is Paul might have been familiar with some people in the, uh, the region of Thessalonica, but Paul wasn't popular over there. He wasn't a big shot. You know, and today, if you look at Christianity, there's, there's big shots. They have Say, what's a big shot? Well, whatever. And God does allow some men to have a voice that reaches beyond their local church. But that won't be me. I'm telling you right now. I'm pastor of this local church. I'm not pastor of the church on uh, Flakebook or YouTube or however that thing goes. I know there's some people that listen. We love and pray for them. But I'm, I'm the pastor of this church right here. And uh, Paul might have been familiar with some of those folks, but he wasn't popular, and that was Paul's way of doing things. Now, let me give you this, and we'll close shop here tonight. There's another thing here to note in verse 6 when, when it says, as the apostles of Christ, as the apostles of Christ. Now, I'll try to write this up here for you. And what Paul's doing, he's talking, more, he's, he's talking uh, about more than just the 12 apostles. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying there. In the Gospels, you, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 10, it talks about the 12 apostles, and those are fixed. And there's uh, one derivation, of course, when Judas, uh, you know, does his thing and he, uh, he uh, betrays the Lord there, and then he's replaced with Matthias. Uh, but Paul's talking uh, about more than just those 12 apostles and uh, if you notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, you've got Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus. And you match that thing up over 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, I believe it is. And that indicates that those guys were apostles as well. Uh, Silvanus was an apostle and Timotheus. Of course, that's Silas and Timothy. But you've got to remember here tonight, and we'll close on this little bit of information, there's more than 12 apostles and I'll, I'll show you that. I'll show you that. Go over to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 14. And that's why the Bible commands you to study the book. Study the book. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We've covered this thing about the apostles in detail before. And uh, God chose men to be apostles to, for his own people, the Jews' sake. <clears throat> All right, now here uh, in Acts chapter 14, verse 14, the Bible says, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, you see that? So you know what you learn from that? Well, Barnabas, he's an apostle. It says, when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people. Uh, Galatians 1.19, you see that James, the Lord's brother, is also called an apostle. So let me write this up here real quick, and we'll close with just listing out what I see in the Bible as apostles. Of course, you've got the 12, right? You've got the 12 apostles. And matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, they're called the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And those are uh, listed in Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses uh, 2 to 4. And you've got uh, the first is Simon, who was called Peter. 
And then Andrew, the, his brother, that's the second one. You've got James, the son of Zebedee. And John, that's number four. Philip, that's number five. Bartholomew, that's number six. Thomas is number seven. And Matthew, the publican, is number eight. James, the son of Alphaeus, that's number nine. And Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, that's number 10. You've got Simon the Canaanite, that's 11. And Judas Iscariot, that's 12, who also betrayed him. All right, so when Judas hung himself, and the Bible says over there was Acts chapter 1, verse 18, he hung himself, he fell headlong, and busted his guts open and all that. That's King James there. And uh, so Judas is replaced by Matthias, right? He's replaced by Matthias. And that's, uh, you find that, you pick that up in Acts chapter 1, verse 26. All right, so then uh, Paul, he would become, he would become the 13th. Paul, he's the 13th apostle there. And then you got Barnabas. We already told you about Barnabas. He's the 14th. That's uh, Acts 14, 14. Paul's the 13th. And there's a multitude of verses that declare his apostleship. You've got Silas. Uh, Silas is uh, number 15. And like we said, that's uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1. And you couple that with 2.6. And then uh, after Silas, you've got uh, Timotheus or Timothy. And he's number 16. And the same passage is applied to Timothy there. And then you've got James, the Lord's brother. Not James Zebedee, but James, the Lord's brother. And that's uh, 17. And uh, that's Galatians chapter 1, verse 19. He's declared to be an apostle. And then you got a couple of fellows you read about over in Romans chapter 16. You got a fellow named Andronicus. And Junia. They're said to be apostles. And that would be 18, and there's 19. And you find that up in Romans 16, 7. And then uh, I say possibly Judas, a fellow named Judas, surname Barsabas, B-A-R-S-A-B-A-S. Got him coming in as number 20. And that's Acts 15, 22. And then finally, uh, you've got Apollos. He was an apostle. He's number 21. And you pick uh, him up there in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, and 9. So I just want to see there, it's, not, it's talking about more than just the 12 apostles of the Lamb there. But you've got a multitude and people that were converted under Paul's ministry that uh, he chose. God chose them to be apostles as well. So I think we'll stop right there, and we'll stop there on verse uh, number 6.
from now till Sunday. You know, every time you hear preachers on the radio, the TV, check them out. Check them out for flattery. Be surprised. All right, why don't you stand?